Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we lift up praises to you. Um, Even though we're talking about marriage, we realize that uh, you are the core here. Um, We worship you for that. You're the author of all creation. It's through you that life exists, and we're blessed to take a part in that. And it's through you that uh, the institution of marriage started, and we just thank you for giving us marriage as an example. Help us to understand you more clearly today. Help this passage to instruct us a little bit more about yourself and how um, marriage reveals truths about yourself. And just help us today as we go through this passage uh, to grow closer to you and understanding. It's in your, your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to jump right in. We're in Colossians 3, verses 18 through 19. I'm going to read them. It won't take long, and then we'll, we'll jump right in. Colossians 3, 18 through 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a little exercise. Uh, if I say a year and you've been married for that long, raise your hand. Who's been married 25 years or more? Good. Uh, 35? 50? Okay, you're preaching. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Wait. Oh, no. Okay. Um, did I forget to remind you that that was the reward for being married for 50 years? Well, good. Uh, marriage. It is... A tricky subject. Um, When I found out that this was the passage that I would be preaching, part of me was really excited. Um, I have an awesome wife. I get to talk a little bit about my wife today with her permission. Uh, I love marriage. I love my marriage. I have fun. It has provided me with a lot of blessings. So I was excited to talk about marriage. Uh, In fact, my wife and I have really enjoyed doing premarital counseling with some people here at Westchester and enjoyed our own premarital counseling before we got married. And so I enjoy teaching and talking about marriage. That's part of the reason I'm a youth pastor, so that I get all these people who aren't married yet and they have to listen to what I say. Uh, But then a large part of me was terrified because am I qualified to teach about submissive wives and loving husbands? I've been married six and a half years. Uh, 50 years is a lot more time to expound and experience what that looks like. Um, so am I qualified? I, I don't know. I'm going to stick to Scripture because Scripture is qualified. Also, this passage just has a lot of baggage attached to it, a lot of baggage throughout history. Uh, people have used this improperly, have misapplied this, uh, and so there's just a little bit of nervousness and terrified of that aspect. And then I know that people are going to have different opinions. Uh, some of you will wish I said something differently or said something more strongly or think I said something wrong, and so that's kind of terrifying. Uh, But since there will be some different opinions out there, since some of you may disagree with me, if you want to get in touch with me later in this week, you can uh, email me at cmullican at westchestercares.org. He said said that he would love that, that you can just let him know. In fact, he's taking more of it next week, so you just wait until after he's done, and then you can send him those emails. Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to break these two verses apart and look at the calls and the commands given separately before we remind ourselves that that's a terrible idea and that these verses need to stay together. So what we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to look at them separately. 
But because there are so many ideas out there from the past that have been used to this, what we're also going to do is look at what these commands, what these calls are not. We're going to try to correct some of those misconceptions about what a submissive wife looks like and what a loving husband looks like. So let's reread verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now this is, again, it's just been so often misapplied to put women down. And I just want to start out by saying that is, that is not true. Women are not inferior. Um, they are made in the image of God and as image bearers and are wonderful. And so we need to apply submissive in some other way than equating that with inferior. So let's look at five things that being a submissive wife is not or what it is not saying. The first thing that being a submissive wife is not, it is not agreeing with everything that your husband says. In the business world, there's this idea of the yes man. Uh, The boss says an idea, the yes man says, yes, that's right, that's wonderful, what an intelligent person, and builds up this boss to the point where he feels like he can't make a wrong decision. Wives, you are not yes women. Um, Your job is not to agree with everything your husband says. Um, you're not there to stoke his ego to build him up to the point where he feels like he can't make a wrong decision or will never lead you improperly. Okay, Wives, you are not there to agree with everything he says. Also, as a submissive wife, you don't lower yourself to his level. We talked a little bit about you being image bearers and God created you with strengths. God gave you great intellect. Uh, Don't lower your intelligence to, again, let your husband feel uh, superior or whatever. That is not submission. God gave you great ability and different abilities than your husband. And don't lose your spirituality. Don't lower your spirituality to go to your husband's level. Um, I want you to be who God created you to be, and that is awesome, and an image bearer of Christ. So it is not calling you to lower yourself to your husband's level. It is also not telling you not to influence him. Um, If this were a car ride, marriage were a car ride, you are not a passenger in the back seat going along wherever your husband leads. Um, You're not sitting there quietly allowing him to make wrong decisions. As a wife, and, and my wife is very good at this, as a wife... Uh, she will influence me to make appropriate decisions and go the right way. Uh, You are much more of a co-pilot working together. And we'll get to this more as we start looking at what submission is and what love is. But again, it is not, not influencing him. The fourth thing that submission is not, a good submissive wife does not put his will above Christ. And this is really important. I feel like a lot of times we get confused with this one. A submissive wife will not allow her husband to lead her into sin. Um, If there are two paths and your husband goes one way, Christ goes the other, you go with Christ, always. Um, And that's because we submit to Christ above all. And I think Fenshin and Tim did a great job of of showing that with their, their testimony today, that Christ is now a part of your marriage, but he's in fact the most important part of your marriage. Um, You do not put your husband's will above Christ's in your life. 
And this last thing, I think, is something that maybe isn't often talked about from the pulpit because it's not uh, super fun to talk about, but it is not submitting yourself to abuse. Uh, This is one, I think, in the past. It has been used, this verse has been used to uh, encourage or allow for abuse in Christian relationships and Christian marriages. And that can be physical, mental, or emotional abuse. We'll talk about this more when we get to the guys section. Um, But what I'm saying here is not that, you know, if if you're being abused in any of those ways, I'm not saying go out and immediately get a divorce. What I'm saying is that there are steps to be taken. You are not to just sit there quietly and passively stay in that abuse because you've been convinced that that's what submission entails or that's just a part of marriage. Um, There are steps to take and take those. Don't sit in abuse. Well, so often this idea of submission is confusing. Um, It's even confusing to talk about in some ways what it's not. But now let's try to say what does this passage show us that a submissive wife is? Well, a submissive wife, for the first thing, is a person who supports a husband in his pursuit of the Lord, and that last part being key. We talked about not lowering yourself to him. God created you with strengths. God gave you abilities and blessings. Use your intellect. Use your ability. Use your strength to aid him in his pursuit of the Lord. And this support of a husband should be in response to biblical leadership. Your husband, with his pursuit of the Lord being supported by you, is then able to lead biblically and point all of you together towards Christ, and that then allows this submission to be a happy response to biblical leadership. The second thing that this verse shows us about a submissive wife is that she realizes that headship has been appointed by God and feels empowered by that. Now, there were lots of analogies as I was studying this to try to help us understand this idea of headship, of hierarchy, of what that all entails. And there was one that sort of stuck out. And I don't think it's perfect, but it gives us some some clues, some points to at least consider. And that was in the military. You have different ranks. There's a private and a corporal. Now, being a private does not mean that he or she is less than or less valuable or not equal to the colonel, but they have different roles. This private is taking care of this mission and this exercise. The colonel is taking care of these other things. And it allows for more bases to be covered, allows for more steps to be taken when they are working together as a team. Now again, this, this analogy isn't perfect. I still think, when I, when I think of the military, I do still sort of think of this sort of uh, not quite equal, you know, like a general, you know, that's a little better. or whatever. And so, so where do we then look? I think the most helpful picture that we have to understand this idea of headship and, and the empowerment that that can bring is to look at the Trinity. Um, we have God the Father and Christ Jesus the Son who are without a doubt equal. We, we need to believe that. We see their equality. And yet we also see Christ submitting to the will of the Father. We don't understand how that works all the time. The Trinity is a great mystery, and yet we know it to be true. And it's the same thing here for marriage. Uh, I look at my own marriage. 
Um, if you know my wife and you know me, you would hopefully and definitely see that my wife is my equal, if not more than my equal. If I'm better at anything than my wife, it's probably trickery because I got her to marry me, right? <laughs> um, she's intelligent. She's all these things. I can't think that she is not equal, and yet Scripture here tells her to submit. So we need to, to apply those two things together. Scripture shows us time and time again that we are equal because of Christ and the intent of the Father during creation. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. We're one. We are equal. Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We're both image bearers. We were there from early on in creation. Um, we bear the image of Christ. We are both created that way. And then Colossians 3, 9, 11, which we just studied a couple weeks ago, says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, the husband and wife is not a difference in equality or in value because we are both image bearers of Christ. And that then allows us to be empowered because we strive together doing different things. Right? We're, we're shooting for the same goal, going about it in different roles. And that allows, in the military example, the private to take care of his exercises and the colonel to take care of his. Um, but it does not change the equality or the value. The third thing that being a submissive wife is, I believe, is she takes or she responds to his initiative taking. Uh, This is a little bit of a call to the men, and we'll get to it again when we talk about the men. But John Piper talks about this a lot. He's written a lot of books about marriage. Uh, A lot of sermons of his are about marriage. His wife helps him with a lot of that. Um, And what he talks about here is that A wife's submission is in response to her husband's initiative taking. This is not a strong arm kind of leadership. This is not a, we're going to go do this because I say so. More so, a better way to think about this is that the husband is the one who more often will say, let's. Um, My wife is more gifted financially than I am at keeping track of budget. Um, That doesn't mean that I get to drag my feet and allow her to take care of that. Uh, As the the man, as the person uh, who is the head of this relationship, my my goal is to take the initiative and say, let's. Let's figure out where our money's going together. Even if that's, let's allow my wife to make that decision, we're dealing with it together. I'm taking the initiative. A submissive wife is responding to a husband's initiative taking. And I think the most important thing about what is submission in a marriage is it's an example of Christ as our head. This is so, so, so important for us to realize. If you're not going to picture anything or get anything else from my sermon, uh, again, just realize that marriage is an example of the way Christ loves us as the church. And so that's what marriage was designed to be. That's why marriage is designed this way. Um, That's why there's these different roles that we have because... We are somewhat equal 
to Christ because we're co-heirs and yet we obviously submit to him. And this is so important for the wife to realize that in her submission because the world's going to see it. The world's going to look and should see marriage differently when they look at a Christian marriage. Uh, The husband is going to see it and is going to be encouraged in his pursuit of the Lord because he sees you submitting. He's going to submit to God more with more experience and understanding because he gets to see you submitting to himself. Um, And again, this is for all of us is that then we submit to Christ as our head. Uh, And the good thing about that is, you know, the husband is fallible, sinful. Uh, you, You may submit to him, but he still may be wrong. The good thing about Christ is that we submit knowing that his will is going to be perfect. His, his design is the correct design. So much more could be said about this idea of submission. Uh, and more will be. Again, Chuck will take a little bit more of this next week and, and bring in some other passages. But while we're studying something like this, I just want to encourage you, uh, extol you, please let scripture be your guide. Don't let your feelings or the culture, with our both, which are both speaking very powerfully into this topic, uh, lead you. Continue to rely on scripture as we learn about the different uh, roles and how a Christian marriage looks and works. And now we're going to move on to verse 19. Now on to the husbands. I was a little, felt more prepared to talk to the husbands, of course. Uh, verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Don't forget this follows. Don't forget that verse 19 follows verse 18 immediately. A lot of times when you'll study this verse or people will talk about this verse, they'll separate them. And I understand I did that, but hopefully you'll, you'll, you know, just one sermon, not, not the whole sermon about verse 18 and then leaving verse 19 completely off. The, Paul is not singling out women here. Um, he's not saying, hey, women, you have to do this. Um, and then, you guys, you get a free pass, right? Or this is love, that's easy, you don't have to worry about that. Um, now, I'm not going to tout this as necessarily the, the best theology, but when my mother found out that I was going to study and preach on these verses, she says, you know, I've always thought that in some ways the men have it more difficult. Because if a husband tells his wife to shut the door, she's supposed to submit, she can slam that door. That's submitting. <laughs> She, man, she, she just has to shut that door. But if a wife tells her husband to shut the door, he has to lovingly go and shut the can't slam it. You know, none of the, he's, he's got a little bit more of a call. Now, I don't, I don't, again, I don't think that, and we've looked at all these things about what submitting isn't and is, and I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of important parts in there. But the point of my mom's story is, I think, that we don't want to fall into the trap of thinking that men are not held to a high standard here as well, or fall into the trap to think that Paul is giving us this free pass, um, that love is no problem. Like, I, yeah, of course I love my wife. I don't have to think about that. I don't have to change what I'm doing, whereas my wife, she really needs to submit, you know? Um, so again, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what love of a wife is not first. Um, to love your wife, that is not a call to act the part. Uh, we don't get to just go through the motions of loving our wife or, or present the facade of loving our wife while we're out in public uh, and then go home and do whatever else we want to do that isn't loving. Uh, this is something that we commit to. This is something that takes a lot of our intent. We need to commit to love 
our wives. And we'll look a little bit more at what that love is as we get to that. But it is not just acting the part. Um, loving your wife is not just a feeling. I had a uh, youth grouper come up to me. They actually were just in Lakota on this trip. Uh, we were talking about crushes or whatever. And she said when she was growing up, she had read a magazine that said, if you have felt attracted to someone for three months, that means you love them. Well, you know, that's obviously uh, not the case, but the culture presents love as this feeling, right, that I can fall in and out of love and all these things. But love here is not a feeling. It's not something that I feel for my wife. It's a decision that has to be made every day, and this is something that my wife and I stress in premarital counseling. Uh, There will be days when my wife will wake up and I will have spent all night stealing blankets and kicking her while I was asleep, and she still needs to choose to love me because it's more than a feel. She doesn't feel in love with me. I just made her cold all night. I'm going to look over at my wife sometimes, and she'll have drool hanging out of her mouth, and her hair will be all messed up. I mean, no, she's angel, angel, always. Um, And yet, I don't just get to feel in love with her. I need to choose to be in love with her every day. Uh, You're not going to feel love all the time. And yet, this command doesn't say, you know, if you feel like it, right? It says, love your wives. And don't be harsh with them. The command still stands even when we don't feel like we're in love with them. And loving your wife is not easy. Uh, And that's because of what this kind of love requires. Um, You know, there was a year where we were married and it was, yeah, generally pretty good and easy to love her. And then, I don't know, kids. And then it's got hard all of a sudden. Um, So love isn't going to be this easy thing that we just get to forget about and anticipate our as husbands doing a good job of that. Um, that then brings us to what is love. So why is, why is it so hard? What does love require that makes it difficult? Well, as a husband, we are told to love our wives sacrificially. Uh, in my six and a half years of marriage, very rarely, if ever, have my wife and I ever gotten to a point where we, we've come to a draw on a, different, on an, on a topic. I want to go one way, she wants to go another way. Usually we're able to talk that out, uh, figure it out, be encouraged by each other, like we've talked about. Um, Very rarely, if ever, has that happened. And I think, scripturally, what would happen in that situation is that my wife would say, husband, dearest, I will submit this decision to you and trust you. And that's great, but men, that is not a call for you to just then get to decide I get to do whatever I want, because I think love is a sacrifice, and sometimes that means we sacrifice the right to make those decisions as well. If my wife says to me, yes, let's go your way, that submission allows me then to love her sacrificially and say, no, I trust you, let's go your way, and I still lead in that. And I think we are called to love our wives sacrificially. We're called to put them above ourselves, and in everything we do, work for their benefit. And that's difficult, because we're selfish, But it's difficult, but we are called to love them sacrificially. I think the second thing that loving your wife means is that we initiate a loving pursuit of Christ in all areas of our lives. Again, this idea of leading with let's. Take the initiative. Let's do devotions together. Let's pray more often. Let's lead our children in devotions. Whatever it is, we initiate a loving pursuit of Christ in all areas of our lives. And that's one of the best ways we can show our wives that we love them. We are leading by example and as a group. And the third way that I think we 
as husbands need to love our wives is that we treat them the way Christ treats us. Uh, There are so many attributes of Christ to talk about when you talk about the way he treats us. Mercy, uh, kindness, forgiveness, all of these things that we see him exhibit in his ministry and in the passages throughout scripture. And we are called to treat our wives like that because, again, marriage is an example of Christ loving the church. Now, we talked about abuse earlier on, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, and again, it is just never okay. Um, There is never an opportunity for us as husbands to be harsh or to be bitter or to abuse our wives. It is so against or so in contrast to the way that we are treated by Christ, even when we are rebelling against him. He loves us and cares for us and wants what is best. Now, in the ESV, in verse 19, we read, uh, do not be harsh with them. In the NASB and some others, it says, do not be bitter towards them. And I thought I'd just briefly bring up these two points. Uh, At least the way I picture harshness, that to me was sort of this more physical uh, anger um, or a physical response. And that bitterness was sort of this heart condition of I I was bitter in my heart against my wife. And just both of those are not okay. Again, it's not this idea that we can just act like we love our wives or, you know, if I'm not abusing my wife, that means I'm loving my wife. Um, I can't be harsh or bitter to them. I can't let my actions go there or my emotions go there. Again, if you hear anything, it's that marriage is an example of the relationship between God and the church. And the the series this summer has been the effect of Jesus in our lives. And marriage is, of course, an issue that is an important one that a lot of people needed help with and all people who are married need Jesus to be an effect in their marriages. Uh, It needs to be powerfully affected by Jesus. And as Paul wrote this to the readers of this letter, they would have seen this as a drastically even staggeringly different approach than what the culture was around them. Uh, To see women lifted up and for men to have expectations put on them and for them to be viewed as equals uh, was so staggeringly different. The culture, uh, a husband was the only one that mattered. The wife was just the tag-along or even sometimes property. And so just something that went with the husband. This would have been so staggeringly different, so drastically different. And that is because of Christ, Christ's effects on a marriage. So let's look at the effect of Christ on marriage by starting with what it is not. Uh, again, It is not easy, just like it's not easy for the husband to love. Having Christ in your marriage does not mean your marriage is going to be easy. Um, We've talked about that this is an example of the way that we submit to God. I struggle to submit to God, and he's perfect. How much more so is my wife going to struggle to submit to fallen me? We struggle to love others sacrificially. How much more so are we going to do that in marriage when we live with that person all the time? Uh, Marriage with Christ in it isn't going to be easy. Uh, Don't think that. Marriage with Christ in it isn't going to be perfect. Christ doesn't make our marriages perfect. Don't expect it to. Um, Don't expect your wife to understand every nuance of what it looks like to submit. 
Don't expect your husband to love you sacrificially all the time. And that's because of sin nature. That's because of our fallen, fallen nature. So then what does Jesus do in our marriages? Well, he allows us to become a team striving together after Christ. We have this picture of a submitting encourager filled with all of these blessings and all of these talents and all of these abilities that God has given her and a sacrificial leader who's intentionally building up and elevating his wife. Okay? And together then we become this team that is striving after Christ together. Also with Christ in a marriage, we get to become an example for those around us. Whether that's people within the church who are encouraged in their own marriage. Uh, Whether that's people in the world who get to look and say, hey, their marriage is different than mine. Or their marriage is different than my parents' marriage was. Why is that? Um, And I think also really importantly, it's an example to our kids. Uh, Hopefully, when my wife is submitting and I am loving, our kids get to see that and say, oh, that's the way Jesus loves me and I'm supposed to respond to him. Okay, Jesus allows us to be an example for those around us. I have just a couple more things to add. This is a marriage passage, but it's not just to married people. Um, There's a lot that unmarried people here can learn, right? This is an example of the way we respond to Christ. That's still the case for unmarried people. We submit to Christ. We love others the way that he loves the church. We should submit the way a wife should submit to a husband, and we should love the way a husband loves his wife. This is a call for all of us in marriage and out. Now, this passage was for a believing husband and a believing wife together. That's obviously not always the case. There are times when we will have uh, one part in a marriage who is a believer and one who is not. Some aspects of that relationship will change. The way you submit, the way you love will be different at times. Uh, And yet the core of the message remains for us as followers of Christ, even if we're in marriage to an unbeliever. 1 Peter 3.1 briefly says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Again, it's going to be different, but submission is a powerful evangelism. Love for an unbelieving wife is a powerful evangelism. So even though this passage in Colossians is targeted towards a married couple who are both believers, take heart in that if you are in a relationship that is not both believing parties. So then how do we apply this passage? Well, in some ways, hopefully you're picking that up, right? Submit as a wife, love as a husband sacrificially. But we also need to remember that Christ is the one who changes us and makes new things possible. As we are, if I rely on my own strength, I will fail to love my wife sacrificially. She will fail to submit to me in a supportive way. Uh, But the effect of Christ in our lives and in our marriage gives us hope that we can succeed in this. We can't submit without his help. We can't love correctly without his help. Also, we just need to apply that and, and realize that both parts and both parties in a marriage need to be patient with each other. Husbands, your wives are being asked to do something that is very difficult and goes against a lot of what they've been taught and told and their nature. 
Wives, you need to be patient with your husbands. It is hard to put someone else above your own desires. It is hard to love someone sacrificially. Difficult things are being asked of both of you. Another point is don't expect your good response or your good actions to change your spouse. The only person that we can change or influence is ourselves. We do this for the sake of our marriage and for the sake of the Lord and that example in marriage. We don't do it so that I don't love my wife so that she submits to me. I love my wife regardless of that and she submits to me regardless of my love for her because we're doing it for the Lord. But also on the opposite side of that, don't expect your wife, don't hold your wife to submission if you are not loving her. And wives, don't hold your husbands to loving sacrificially if you're not submitting to him. There's, there's this idea of it working well together, and it's really difficult when you're not working together. Guys, marriage is a beautiful thing. And uh, when done correctly, it is an extremely powerful statement and example of the work of the Lord, of his love for the church. Paul wants the people who read this letter to have marriages like that. Um, and in, in the, the times that the letter was written, that would have been drastically different. But these passages still apply to us and still are different than what the culture is teaching us. With Christ as our focus and strength, we have the ability to submit and love. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have given us this gift of marriage. We pray that we understand more fully what is expected of us so that we can be an example to those around us, so that we can be an example to our children, um, so that we love our wives and that our wives submit to their husbands. And just thank you for allowing us to, to grasp this even just a little bit and thank you then also for stepping into our lives and into our marriages and being that part of the triangle that then enables us to accomplish that. And we pray that we will. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.